Good morning. This morning, I want to start by talking to you about wonder. You know, there's so many things in our world that are just unbelievable. Like, think about it for a second. The human body, 212 bones connected by little small tendons attached to to muscles through ligaments. Systems that somehow work together, nerves that run from our head to our toes that make us move. We do all of these things without even thinking about them. The world that we're a part of, it's got rainbows and waves, and we haven't even got to outer space yet. Our world is, is filled with things that should cause us to step back and go, wow and be filled with wonder. This morning, we're going to talk about wonder, and I want to make sure that we're on the same page when it comes to a definition. So I found this definition. And it says that wonder is a feeling of surprise mingled with admiration caused by something beautiful, unexpected, unfamiliar, or inexplicable. A wow moment. A moment where we just stop and are speechless. A moment where we stop and we just take in the moment. We don't take a picture of it and post it online because we can't even get there. We're just overwhelmed by wonder. I have a confession to make this morning, and that's that I can be kind of judgy. I can be kind of judgy, and I think sometimes you can be kind of judgy too. You see, we're kind of judgy of people who live near the beach but never go visit the ocean. Like, seriously? You live 10 minutes away, and you never go. Or people who who live next to a mountain, and they never go skiing. Or people who live next to a river, and they never go fishing or kayaking or rafting. And we're like, how is that? And we judge them. And yet, people come visit us here in Prescott. I've been here a year, and this has already happened to me. They go, hey, how often do you go hiking? And I'm like, not that much. How often do you go down and just sit on the square and have lunch outside? Not very much. How often do you take a bike out and go ride the Peavine Trail? Not very much. People come and visit us. And they go, how come you're in your house? You should be outside. And the question I want to begin this morning is this. Have you lost your sense of wonder? Have you lost your sense of wonder? And not just about the city you live in, not just the planet you live on, not just the universe you live in, even this moment. Like I saw a few of you a little while ago, and you're going, why is he walking out right now? It isn't 9.30 yet. (laughs) See, some of us lose our wonder about this. There'll be some folks walking in in the next five or ten minutes, and they're going to be really mad. Because they missed part of the sermon. <laughs> the service doesn't start at 9.30. It starts at 9. If you went to a movie at 10.45 and it started at 10.30, you wouldn't be mad at Steven Spielberg that you missed the first 15 minutes. And yet so often we come in here and we don't have wonder anymore. 
there's the music, and then there's the announcement, and then there's the offering, and there's more music, and then they talk for 35 minutes, and then we go home. Not today. Today, we're going to talk about the fact that many of us no longer see clearly because we've lost our wonder. And in this series, Life with God, we've talked about things that that get in the way or facilitate our life with God. And the one thing I hope you go home thinking about today is this, that without wonder, our life with God won't flourish. If you don't have wonder, you will not live the life that God created you to live with him. And so often the underground thing that's happening in our lives and our churches is that we have lost all of our wonder and we do everything by memory and routine. See, you will either live from wonder and imagination or you'll live from memory. Like you drive home today and you don't remember the four left turns you made because you've driven the road so many times. And some of us don't just drive like that, we live like that. And we wonder why our life with God is not flourishing and thriving. It's because we lack wonder. This morning, if you have a Bible, I'd encourage you to open up to Psalm chapter 8. Psalm 8 is the first hymn we have in the book of Psalms. Psalm 8 was likely sung to music. David wrote it. And it's a reflection of the fact that he has not lost his wonder. Beginning in verse 1, this is what we read. David says, O Lord, our Lord, how majestic is your name in all the earth. You have set your glory above the heavens and out of the mouths of babies and infants. You have established strength because of your foes to still the enemy and the avenger. You see, David is overwhelmed by the magnificence and the glory of God. And so many of us, as we've gotten older, we've lost that sense of wonder. One of the tragedies is that as we get older, we lose the most essential things about us when we were a child. We lose our wonder, we lose our imagination. We lose the sense of belief that convinced us that anything was possible. And we replace wonder and imagination with callousness and cynicism. And we're proud of it. Because we know how the world works now. We figured it out. And here's the problem. We haven't. We've actually just been hurt and wounded and disappointed And we've decided that wonder isn't worth it. It's too risky. And so we've settled for being cynical and callous. One of the gifts we have in living in this area is the lack of light pollution. If you lived in a large city like Phoenix or Los Angeles or Chicago or Houston or L.A., then you know that when you're in a large city, there's tons of light pollution and you can't see the stars. But not here. 
If you go out at night, not far, and especially if you live in an area like Dewey or Chino where there is not a lot of light at all, you can look up and you can see the stars. And if you have a good telescope or you have a, a great camera, then you might even be able to see a galaxy. Here's the problem, though. Most of us never go outside and look up because we don't have any wonder anymore. I have a car that has a a, a sunroof and so often I will get done at the gym because I work out at night and I'll just open the sunroof and I'll look up and then I'll look back at the road. I don't look up for very long. (laughs) But I look up because I don't ever want to miss it. And this morning, I want to ask you a question. And that question is, when was the last time you were in awe and wonder of God or his creation? When's the last time you were in awe or wonder of God and his creation? This morning, I'm going to preach to you in three parts. And so I'm going to give you couple minutes to just reflect on that question in silence. For some of you, it won't be long enough. And for others of you, it will feel like an eternity. (laughs) But after you reflect on this question and on your handout, there's a place for you to write down your response. I want to encourage some of you to pray and ask God that this morning he would begin to restore your wonder. Because without wonder, our life with God won't flourish.
I had the privilege of hearing that song for the first time this summer on my way back from Zambia. I stopped in New York and uh, visited a friend who attends Hillsong, New York, and they had just, uh, just premiered that song, and, um, and it spoke to me, and it, it, it reminded me uh, that I needed to live with wonder. You know, one of the saddest things uh, that frustrates me as a pastor and gets me depressed is that I see so many fellow followers of Jesus who've lost their wonder about what God has done in their lives, about the love that he has for them. And it's just like, eh, no big deal. You know, we, we, we use a new language today. I'm not sure if you've picked this up, but you'll get a text from somebody and it'll have like an acronym in it and you're trying to translate it. Like you get an SMH, which means shaking my head. Some of you didn't know that. So SMH means shaking my head. Um, there's another one, uh, NBD. It means no big deal. And I think a lot of us, when it comes to the work of God in our lives, we're just like, yeah, NBD, no big deal. And that's a tragedy because some of you who are sitting here today, you shouldn't be alive, but you are. Some of you who are here today, you shouldn't be joyful because of what you've endured, but you are. Some of you who are here today, you shouldn't be sober, but you are. Some of you who are married, you shouldn't still be married, but you are. Some of you shouldn't actually have a relationship with your child, but you do. And some of you who are sitting here in church shouldn't be in church today because of the wounds you've received in another church or maybe even in this church. And for so many of us, those things are true and over time they've become NBD. No big deal. And the reason why is that experience over time dulls our wonder. Experience over time dulls our wonder. The longer we have experience with something, the greater the likelihood is that we will have to fight for our wonder. That, that, that definition of wonder we used earlier, one of the things it said was that we saw something that was unexpected. Wonder often comes from things that are unexpected. And when we have experience with something, it's no longer unexpected. It's expected. And so because of that, we struggle to have wonder about it. We struggle to be surprised by it. We struggle to be in awe of it. Have you lost your sense of wonder about what God has done in your life because you're just so familiar with it. Well, David somehow hadn't. And we see that in the next section of Psalm 8. Beginning in verse 3, he says, When I look at your heavens and the work of your fingers, the moon and the stars which you have set in place, what is man that you're mindful of him and the son of man that you care for him? Yet you have made him a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned him with glory and honor. You've given him dominion over the work of your hands and you've put all things under his feet, 
all sheep and oxen and also the beasts of the field and the birds of the heavens and the fish of the sea, whatever passes along the paths of the sea. One of the things I hope you recognize today is this, that wonder over what God has done in the past keeps us engaged with God in the present. Wonder over what God has done in the past keeps us engaged with God in the present. I love what David says. He says, God, what is man in light of all you are, God, and in all you've done and these hundred billion galaxies, this giant planet that's barely in the right position for us not to freeze or burn, for us not to fall off the earth, because of gravity. What is man that you care about man? What am I, God, that I'm such a big deal to you? David says, you have made me a little lower than the heavenly beings and crowned me with glory and honor. You've given me dominion over everything you've created. And David is like, whoa, that's crazy, God. Why would you do that? Why do I matter to you that much? The the second question I want you to reflect on this morning is this. When you look back at your life thus far, what causes you to step back with awe and wonder? When you look back over your life, whether it's five years or 15 years or 50 years or 78 years or 34 years, When you look back, what causes you to step back and go, whoa, that's that's still unbelievable to me. I I can't still wrap my head around that. I can tell you what mine is. It happened on Monday morning at 8.32. My dad called me and he said, your mom had a heart attack. You see, he called me and missed me twice and then sent me a text and it said, call me ASAP. And, and I called him back and I missed him because he was on the phone with somebody else. And, and so I'm waiting. And so you instantly start going, okay, what's the worst that could happen? Because this is not a good, you know, hey, you know, I'm, I got a, a free coffee at Starbucks kind of call, you know, like this is a, this is a big deal. And, and my, my grandfather's 88. He's had multiple strokes. I went and saw him in February. My grandmother's 85 as of yesterday. She's been caring for him, and because of that, her health is declining. I thought it was one of them. The last thing I thought was that it was my mom. And all of my plans for the week just went to the side. My mom texted me this morning from home with an unblocked artery and a completely perfect I have wonder over that. But you know what the, the thing I'm worried about? Is what happens in a year or three or five. The great likelihood is that I will lose my wonder over that. Because other things have happened in my life a year ago, three years ago, five years ago, that I've stopped having wonder over. And if I could stop having wonder over them, I could start, I could stop having wonder over this. So as you look back in your past, when you think about all that God has done and all that he's brought you through, what causes you to step back with awe and wonder? 
You know, one of the ways the early church worked to ensure that they maintained a sense of awe and wonder about who God was and what he had done is they put together a reading, a statement that they would read whenever they gathered together. And some scholars believe that it even predates the writing of the book of Revelation. It may, it for sure predates the completion of the Bible as one unit. It's the earliest statement of our faith, and it's commonly known as the Apostles' Creed. And so this morning, as we confess and claim our awe and wonder over who God is and what he's done, I want to invite you to stand with me. Stand with me. (laughs) And we're going to read this together, a reading that's been read by followers of Jesus for 1,900 years. That's a little bit bit deep in. I think that's the very middle. So we can go back to the beginning. It's, I believe in God, the Father Almighty. There we go. Keep going. Let's go back a little bit more. Nope. Okay. No, you don't have, I believe in God, the Father Almighty? Cool. Well, I'll read it. We're talking about wonders, so we'll keep on our toes. If you can go to the Jesus section, we'll get to that in a second. It begins with, I believe in God the Father Almighty, creator of heaven and earth. And then, let's go to Jesus. No, there we go. I believe in Jesus Christ, his only son, our Lord, who was conceived by the Holy Spirit, born of the Virgin Mary, suffered under Pontius Pilate, was crucified, died, and was buried. He descended to the dead. He ascended into heaven. On the third day, he rose again. He ascended into heaven, and he is seated at the right hand of the Father. He will come to judge the living and the dead. I believe in the Holy Spirit, one holy church, the communion of saints, the forgiveness of sins, the resurrection of the body, and the life everlasting. Amen. We're going to do all we can to restore your wonder this morning. So turn to your neighbors, say, I'm really glad you're here. Meet somebody for the first time. So I have wonder about that because I can't do it. Um, it's one of the things you will know is that your, your pastor will never dance. You know, I've loved this series in the Psalms. I've taken classes at the undergraduate level and the seminary level on the Psalms. I've read through the Psalms before. As I said a couple weeks ago, I've read through the Psalms again, uh, five chapters a day for about 30 days during this series. And I've seen things that I never saw before. And that's what I love about God's word is that no matter how many times I read through it, there is still more there. If I have eyes of wonder. I'll see and I'll discover. And I wanted to end this series with wonder because I believe that wonder is connected to worship. And one of the things that's been impressed on my heart recently is sometimes our worship is lacking because our wonder is waning. Let me say that again. Sometimes our worship is lacking because our wonder is waning. Waning as in like decreasing, going away. 
And sometimes, whether it's in our personal worship on a daily basis or our corporate worship, what is lacking is the sense of wonder we have about who God is and what God has done. I've had the unique privilege of worshiping with other followers of Jesus across this country, in Mexico, in Africa, and in Asia. And it's been a huge blessing to see how people worship God in other contexts. And what I've learned is that worship is not dependent on the things that we make it dependent on in America. Since I was born, the American church has been a part of what we call worship wars. We've started churches, split churches, killed churches, changed churches, and lost friends over worship. But worship doesn't actually have to do at its heart with those potentially divisive things. Worship is connected to wonder, and wonder enables us to flourish with God. You see, David hasn't lost his wonder, and in another psalm, it's connected to the moment we just shared with the Parmars and the video you just watched. He talks about the wonder he has. And that's Psalms 139. If you have a Bible, you can open there. I'll also have the verses on the screen. In Psalm 139, David talks about the wonder he has for how God has created him. And beginning in verse 13, this is what he says. He says, For you, God, formed my inward parts. You knitted me together in my mother's womb. I praise you. For I am fearfully and wonderfully made. Wonderful are your works. My soul knows it very well. My frame was not hidden from you when I was being made in secret, intricately woven in the depths of the earth. Your eyes saw my unformed substance, and in your book were written every one of my days, the days that were formed for me, when as yet there was none of them. How precious to me are your thoughts, O God, and how vast is the sum of them. If I were to count them, they are more than the sand. I awake, and I am still with you. Psalm 139 is one of the most popular psalms. It's right up there with Psalm 23, Psalm 1, and others. And as I read it recently, as I said, I saw some things that I'd never seen before. And one of those things is this verse right here, verse 17, where David says, How precious to me are your thoughts, O God. How vast is the sum of them. It's almost as if David is recognizing that it is impossible for him to comprehend all of God's thoughts, yet he still wants to. They're precious to him. They matter to him. And he's curious about them. You know, if you're struggling with wonder this morning, I have a hunch you're also struggling with curiosity. Because our struggle with wonder is often rooted in a lack of curiosity. I have three small children, and so every day I spend my day rooted in curiosity. My kids ask me a thousand and one questions. Most of them beginning with the word why. <laughs> and we laugh about that until we get to the point in a stage where I'm like, if I get asked why one more time today, and years later, we realize that we need that. We need that spirit of curiosity. See, we live in an age where we're struggling to be curious. When you recognize how much you know, don't know, and how much you don't understand, 
and yet you explore that unknown, that curiosity sets you up for wonder. And in our 21st century world today, I think we lack wonder because we have too much knowledge, too much experience, and too much Google. We don't know something, and in four seconds, we ask Google or Siri, and then we know. Curiosity is gone as fast as our internet connection. And because we lack curiosity, we lack wonder. But here's the thing. Siri's not going to tell you God's thoughts. And Google is not going to help you understand God's ways. You're going to have to pursue life with God if you're going to come to terms with how he sees the world. And if this series has shown you that your life with God is not flourishing the way that you would like it to, then what I would say to you this morning is that it's time for you to become curious again. It's time for you to begin learning about something that you don't know. It's time for you to go back and realize that something you think you understand, you don't actually understand it. Because if you stop learning, if you stop asking questions, then you stop growing. And as the cliche says, the moment you stop learning, you start dying. And that isn't just a cliche, that's actually how your brain works. If you stop learning, if you stop being curious, if you stop living with wonder and imagination, that in the same way that you skip the gym for a long time and your muscles atrophy, your brain will atrophy and it will no longer be able to expand and grow. See, wonder isn't just a nice add-on to our life. It is essential if you want to live a long life with God and with others. The second thing that David says that sticks out to me is he says in verse 18, he says, I awake and I am with you. Another translation says, when I wake up, I am still with you, God. See, in Psalm 139, if you go back a few verses, David talks about the fact that he is never out of God's presence. If he were alive today, he would start singing that song from the commercial, I always feel like somebody's watching me, you know, like that's what he senses about God. I can't ever get away from you, God. I go to the depths and you're there. I go to the heights and you're there. You are everywhere. I am always with you. And because David is always recognizing he's in the presence of God, he's recognizing that he always has an opportunity to worship God. See, if you live in a world that is awake with the presence of God, then you will always have an opportunity to worship God. Another thing I've learned when I've experienced worship outside of my cultural context is that corporate worship is far more about what we bring with us than what we're given when we arrive. Corporate worship, this experience we're in right now, is far more about what we bring than what we're given when we arrive. You see, if you bring a bad attitude or a grumpy disposition, that will do more for your experience than the songs that we sing or the volume we sing them at, whether that's too loud or too soft, whether the room is too dark or too bright. See, if you bring with you a sense of wonder, a defiant joy, a faith that has faced your doubts, 
a gratitude for God and a wonder at all that you've been through and the fact that you're still here, then what you do and what you bring will mean far more than what anybody does on this stage. See, you are actually the one who is leading yourself in worship before you're ever led in worship. And the challenge is for many of us, we've abdicated leading ourselves in worship and expected someone else to do it. If this is the only moment you worship God all week, then our corporate worship will be weak. But if you come in this room grateful that you're still married to the person you're sitting next to, if you come in this room thankful for that conversation you had with that person who you once hurt and betrayed, who forgave you, if you come in this room grateful that you actually have something to give because there's another season in the life where you need other people to give to you, and so now you're grateful that you have something to give, if you come in this room and you're thankful that there's somebody in this room that you love and trust because in the past in a church, there was somebody you loved and trusted who betrayed you, and now there's somebody else in the room that you're opening up to and trusting, that actually does more for this than anything we plan. And the wonder that we have about that, it influences the worship that we experience when we're here. As I said, without wonder, our life with God, it won't flourish. So before you go home today, I want to put a challenge in front of you. I want to challenge you that before this day is over, you will finish this sentence. I will reclaim wonder by... Now, this might mean that you'd have to actually think about the sermon when you're not at the Performing Arts Center. (laughs) I know it's a big ask. (laughs) But I can't tell you if you've lost your wonder or not. The person who's sitting next to you may not even be able to tell you. That's a you and God conversation. And if only you and God can know, then I can't tell you what you need to do to reclaim your wonder. Some of you need to dust off that bike and go down the Peavine Trail. Some of you need to go driving tonight with the sunroof open and pull off the side of the road and look up. Some of you need to open this book and dust it off and say, God, I want you to speak to me afresh and anew. Some of you need to call somebody and say, thank you for actually being in my life and caring. I don't know what you need to do, but what I know is if you don't reclaim your wonder, you'll never get to the life with God you want. And once you do reclaim your wonder, it will be as if the world has gone from black and white to HD color. Even though the only thing that changed was you. Pray with me. God, I pray this morning for my friends. We live in a world that is constantly trying to answer every question and give us more knowledge and technology and distraction. And yet the result is for so many of us that we are living with callous, cynical hearts who've seen it all, who know it all, and who have it all figured out. 
And God, in that place, there is no room for wonder. And I, got, I, I pray in this place this morning that you would shake us and wake us and that we would follow you down the road to reclaiming our wonder. God, we once stood in a room like this and, and we sang even though we knew we sounded terrible because we were so grateful for the grace you gave us. And we lost that somewhere along the way. Some of us opened up the Bible and we had to tell somebody how crazy it was that it didn't matter where we read in your word, you just kept speaking to us. And some of us opened the Bible now and it's just old hat and yeah, 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 I've heard it all before. God, I pray that you would awaken our wonder. Not just to the beauty of the place we call home, but to your magnificence and your majesty and your glory. I pray for every person in this room watching online that they would have a moment this week or this month or this fall that just leaves them speechless with their breath taken away at you. And I pray that their wonder would be the seed that grows a flourishing life with you. God, our wonder is not an accessory. It's the heart of the relationship you want to have with us. What is man that you are mindful of us? I don't know, but I'm so grateful. In Jesus' name we pray, amen. Thank you for listening to the audio from Cornerstone Church in Prescott, Arizona. For more information, visit us online at www.prescottcornerstone.com.